Hey, Film Files, you're back, and we're so glad because we missed you so much. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to 90.7 WAZU, and uh, we're going to be talking for the next hour about movies. We're going to do a main event of Starship Troopers from 1997, but me and Ben saw a film that we're going to talk about a little bit. We'll talk about some other trailers that are coming out. It's Halloween season, which is me and Ben's favorite time of year. And, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of other stuff. So I hope you'll stay with us. This is Movie Show Theater. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater. As I mentioned up at the top, this is Halloween season. There's a whole bunch of oh, probably recycled movies coming out. I hate to sound so uh, bitter and jaded. Me and Ben saw The Visit. This did not come out this past weekend. This has been out for a while, and it's uh, doing pretty well. It has at least decent reviews and ratings. Uh, I would say that it's not as badly reviewed as about the past decade of M. Night Shyamalan's output. So there's that. I think it has... Overall positive ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it still may be at about sixty percent, and I think it's like six point nine on IMDb. It yeah. is. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because he, you know, I think he peaked way too early. With, I mean, with the Sixth Sense, you know, not only was it a a great movie, but it was kind of reinvented the kind of ending that he gave us. And every time he comes out with a movie, we're like, what's the twist going to be? Uh, but he makes the movies that he wants to make. Like, I don't think anybody was asking for The Last Airbender, which no. I didn't see it. Um, My children hated it, so, yeah. <laughs> well, and and can, you say, can you they say... They love, the, they love the, 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 you know, the cartoon series. You know, they yeah. absolutely love the cartoon series. And so, let's be honest, he, he had a little white kid playing a little Asian Whitewashed. I mean, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, no. If you're gonna do a movie like that, let's make it at least eth- at least ethnically authentic. Yeah, you know, I mean, but no, he didn't. So whatever. So don't have which Johnny ironically Depp. happened in Starship Troopers. They're from Buenos Aires, and Rico should be one Johnny Rico, and he is white as white can be. Yeah. I, I think at this point in in that world or universe that there is no well, there are ethnic ethnicities. There are ethnicities. There are races. There, there be different races, but I think that there are no country boundaries. I think it's one big, big country. Well, they certainly took a lot of liberties with the book. I guess we're kind of jumping right into the uh, Starship Troopers, which I'm interested to read the book. Yeah, I know. Well, considering the subject matter, it's pretty amazing that the book had such success in what 1962. Mm -hmm. It it was the book was released, and I think it didn't it. Win a Hugo? Yeah. I think it won a Hugo, which yeah, is a pretty prestigious award for science fiction. it is. And uh, Dizzy and Rico were both men, and they had a love affair in the book, which was kind of another precedent. That's a little edgy for Yeah, that's for, way, that's way, way ahead of its, before, yeah. you know, anything, you know, on the baseline of homosexuality oh, yeah. in, in literature was 
even if I, I won't say a thing, but I mean, that's really out of bounds for that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, me and Stu were talking about this on the way over. I, I'm 30. I remember this, this movie came out, um, in 97 and I saw it when it was still a new release at second cinema video. And I remember being shocked by the shower scene, and I remember oh. being shocked by the brain sucking scene. Brain sucking scene was pretty pretty cool, though. It I was mean, cool. I mean, and it was almost mostly, uh, at least the bug scenes were mostly practical effects. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I that appreciated was that. Brilliant! I and, thought that was great. And I think that even somebody who has no historical references to World War II would be able to watch this movie and even recognize the obvious propaganda. Um, uh, overarching elements and, you know, like even the dropships had the ramp that lowers, you know, that looks almost exactly like the Normandy boats that drop right. the troops off. The troop carriers, yeah. And um, it was the same kind of, you know, slaughter. And, and the director, uh, Paul Verhoeven, who gave us Total Recall, Rebel Cop, Showgirls, <laughs> which won two Razzies and he showed up to receive it himself. Which that's had never brilliant. been done before. No, that's awesome. But that tells At me that he he's understood. got a good sense of humor. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. He understood. And then I read that Showgirls, when it was released on video, grossed $200 million and is one of MGM's highest-selling VHS tapes of all time. <laughs> it doesn't matter if the critics hate it if it makes money. Jesse Consopolis is in it from yep. Saved by the Bell. Saved that's by all the Bell. I remember. Yeah. Can we, uh, can we talk about how in the future football's played on converted basketball courts? Oh, my God. <laughs> that was... It was like arena football today, yeah, almost. Like even, even, but with an even smaller, yeah. even smaller field and bicycle slash rugby slash I don't know what they are, helmets. Yeah. yeah. I, I did appreciate the effort that they took to find actual filming locations that were so incredibly super postmodern. Like Rico's house, it's called the Henman House in uh, Malibu. And if you Google image the Henman House, it looks like something out of a Ray Bradbury novel. <laughs> it is incredible looking. And that place where they play the football game, that's at Cal State. And that's this enormous stainless steel pyramid uh, where they have their sports games. And I think they did, yeah, they did a pretty good job. I mean, 97, just for reference, that's the year Titanic came out. So yeah. obviously um, CGI was a thing of the present. And there was CGI in this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. for sure. But, was, I, but I think they spent it where they should have spent it. Absolutely. And, you know, it, and in one aspect, there's a very serious thing going on in this film, like genocide. And it's very silly. The acting is so incredibly Denise over Richard the top. Denise Richards spends most of the movie just smiling at things oh for no reason. Oh, my God. She is like casting couch girl extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah, her... um she's horrible. Her, her acting when they're dissecting that big bug and she's supposed to throw... <laughs> and the scene where she uh, flies the ship out of the dock and she's just like smiling like she just got her permit. It's like, hey, Denise, aren't you supposed to be in, like, a shampoo commercial? Did you stumble on the wrong set? And then they just said, yeah, we'll keep her. Denise, there's 2,600 people on board this ship. You maybe want to wipe that grin off your face. Yeah, get a little serious Hey, uh, Hey, Denise, like, half the people on your ship just died. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's not going to be on the final. (laughs) Oh, my God. And also, can we talk about how she's the worst girlfriend ever? Pretty yeah. much. When she's at the game Cold watching Rico, hearted. she starts Holy. talking to Patrick uh, Muldoon. Xander. 
Xander, who who looks like he's forty-five. Yeah, he totally does. (laughs) I thought he was. He looks exactly like the. It's the same character, the uh, better-looking bully from Teen Wolf. Oh you yeah! Remember the guy that oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I had to look it up, and then I realized, oh wait, that's twenty five yeah, years before yeah. that didn't like, work. It really when it, was, when yeah. it comes to Patrick Muldoon, it's like, wait a second, that's not Rob Lowe. That's no. Patrick yeah. Muldoon. I have to like check. Yeah. It's he, the poor man's is, Rob Lowe. He is the not Rob Lowe. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. who he is. He's and it's the like not it's, Rob Lowe. it's like the Luke Perry effect, you know, in Beverly Hills nine hundred two and zero. Like even in the first season, the dude had forehead wrinkles, <laughs> and he's probably like twenty five, playing an eighteen yeah. year old. That this is kind of the same effect. Yeah. He's so effective, though. I mean, I I saw one movie called Black Cat Run that was like a straight-to-video. It was a bad movie. But the point is he played uh, the hero, and it wasn't even a significant film to, like, use as an example other than the fact that he has played a good guy. But he's so good at playing a douchebag. Well, there are character actors that are just meant for it. Yeah. He's a character actor that's meant for just playing that guy. He doesn't smile. He smirks. He is a smirker. Yeah, absolutely. But he's all uh, flirting with Denise Richards. What are you doing after the game? And she's like, I'm going to the dance, aren't you? Why don't you mention your boyfriend? Yeah. Anytime in there. She is just the worst kind of person. Uh, That's the thing, too, that... I don't get Carmen. Oh, I guess this happens in real life, though. But Carmen, you know, if you just looked at her and heard her talk, it's like she's the most vacuous human being in the world. But it's like, oh, I got ninety-seven percent on my math exam. Yeah. Hey. I mean, really? I mean, obviously, suspension of disbelief. Please. I mean, with with this movie, don't believe in anything. It's just like it's a sci-fi movie. It's really pure entertainment. So yeah, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not criticizing the movie. It's just I find it hilarious in a good way that yeah. I'm laughing at the movie <clears throat> like this. Yeah, the, I should mention that I really enjoyed this movie. It's available on Netflix. Uh, I'm, we're going to pick it apart for the next 35 minutes, but it's so much fun to watch. I thoroughly recommend it. I, I saw this for the first time on... This was the first DVD movie I ever watched. This was the... I, I remember vividly what? opening this. This was the first DVD... DVD I ever watched and and it was just amazing to me how how campy wonderful it was you know I mean and that's what it is it's campy wonderful it's hearkening back to the good old quote-unquote 1950s horror films with a more modern and what I would say a lot more edgy sensibility yeah definitely and you know I mean what's what's more fun than giant bugs right right I mean and it's it's truly reminiscent of the creature features. It of is, yeah. especially with the way they treat people dying. It's just like the sergeant died. Pause for five seconds. All right, who uh, let's go kill some bugs? Ooh, yeah, who's gonna, yeah. Who's going to be the new sergeant? <laughs> I will. <laughs> I feel like this RoboCop and Total Recall could easily exist in the same universe. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. More Total Recall and Starship, and actually, I guess there were some of the same sets that were used. That wouldn't uh, surprise me at all in both films. But Paul Verhoeven, if you hear him interviewed or read anything that he's written, he has a Ph.D. in mathematics, and he has a degree in physics. And, you know, these movies that he makes, some people might say he wants to show an exploding head or full female nudity. You know, Hollow Man, uh, Showgirls. He showed man butts. Yeah, he did show man butts. But he's an incredibly, incredibly smart guy. And if he had made this 20 years later, he could have showed man fronts. 
I know. And or if he had an HBO show. Or an HBO show. And he would so... No. Tom it, Hardy would be like, give me a call. Exactly, right? Put me in that Starship Troopers reboot right now. Oh, my oh, God. Geez. Or we could just watch uh, Starship Troopers 3, The Marauder. Or not. I haven't seen the sequels. Neither. I haven't either. I just don't have I'm the heart. Not, I know. I, I have no plan to watch them. No. But I'm not upset they got made. I mean, they totally no. left it to be done for a sequel. I'm shocked it, that it there was, was never a be, video It was game, made though. to be a franchise. Yeah. I mean, it, there was a video game. Oh, was there really? Yeah, there was a video game. It was oh. horrible. Was it on the Sega Dreamcast? I <laughs> cannot remember. I think it was. Uh, I think it was computer based. I okay. think it was computer based. I'm but, just surprised yeah, it took it them bad. so long just to bad. make a movie out of it. Like from the novel? Well, yeah. Oh, from the no, yeah. I'm not surprised because you would have had to have the technology. True. And, and you know there are a lot of books out there right now that I mean there's still one to this day that has never been made the right way, and that's Dune. Seriously, the two adaptations of Dune that are out there, while both have their merits, both have their fall failings, they're both not great at in any way, shape, or form. I cannot wait for somebody to pick that book up and actually do it justice at some point. Yeah, because there's the David Lynch Dune, that's the movie, and then wasn't there that's like right. a sci-fi miniseries? It was a mini sci-fi series? miniseries. It yeah. was a six-hour miniseries. And, and while the six-hour miniseries got the gist of the book better... David Lynch's feel was ten times better, even though it had a soundtrack from Toto, which, I'll be honest, <laughs> was not horrible. It wasn't horrible. It actually added something to it, but people would disagree with me, I'm sure. But did it really rain in Africa? I don't know. I couldn't answer that question. I've never been. <laughs> oh, my God. This song is so good. So there was a couple of little ding, subtle ding, things ding. about this that I noticed watching it, and they referred to members of the military or recruits or whatever you want to call them as citizens of the Federation. Right. But I remember being confused the first time I watched it when I was 14, wondering why the citizens keep being referred to in the classroom as, you know, people who have these rights that are usually reserved for those in the military. Right. And the women who join up to get their baby license, which is an interesting um, Isn't it though? Liberty to take in the future. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the acting so I, bad, so bad, so yeah. Bad. I mean, Wooden doesn't really begin to scratch oh, the surface so <laughs> to describe bad. the acting. That's okay. like, <laughs> but I'll be honest with you. There are two characters that stand out for me that is uh, that are entertaining to watch, and even though they are still cliched characters, it's Michael Ironside's uh, sergeant. <laughs> Always fun to watch. Dean Norris, right? Yeah, he he doesn't even have like an official name. He's commanding officer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, and he was in Total Recall too. He's a recurring. Yes, he uh, was. He's yep. a recurring Paul Verhoeven guy. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. Oh, Michael Ironside is fan. Is he? Well, he's reached cult status. He's up there with like Rugger Hauer and Lance Hendrickson. Uh, at I, this I would point, say, I would say he would go beyond, beyond Rutger. Well. Maybe not beyond Bruckerhauer, but beyond Lance Hendrickson, definitely. I mean, because it's always hard to say. Stage. It's always hard to say because they'll have like three or four crap roles because of who they are. Really then they great. do something incredibly outstanding. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just the way of those guys, if you want to call them that. Those guys who just fit a specific look or role and will never be A-listers. Oh no, no, well, no! He, I, and Michael Ironside embraces this, though. Oh yeah. I, I heard a I heard a podcast uh, on the Nerdist Network with Chris Hardwick where Michael Ironside was on, and he was absolutely one of the most fascinating guests that I've ever heard on on Hardwick's program. I mean, he has such a positive, wonderful view of life, and he's been in like what 
233 different productions of different varieties or something like that. I mean, from video games to cartoons to B-movies to A-list movies even for from time to time. But he is a character actor who you can always count on to give a great character performance. And I think that that has always been impressive to me, definitely. And then on... The same side of the coin, you have Clancy Brown. Do you guys check out Mr. his credits? Shawshank. Like he, I, I believe he has more voice acting credits than, than anything else. You yeah. know, live God, action credits. Because if you look at his IMDb, he has 237 credits, and a lot of them are you know video games, TV shows, things of that nature. Which that's. That's a good role to be in. Well, he is the Mr. Krabs. Yeah. I mean, from, I mean, seriously, how many people can... I mean, I, I, me growing up, I always associated Clancy Brown with the Kurgan from Highlander, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the scariest characters I ever saw in a movie. Truly, genuinely evil. And then later on, my kids are walking, watching this dumb program. Excuse me, if you like SpongeBob, I'm not a big fan. But all of a sudden, I'm listening to Mr. Krabs' voice, and I'm like, I've heard that guy before somewhere. And I looked it up, and sure enough, it's Clancy Brown the Kurgan. And it's unbelievable to me that he's done such a variety of different voice acting and other jobs that he's done. Well, and, and truly, again, a wonderful character actor. Whenever I see him, I clench my butt cheeks together because I think of <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. Oh, God. And he's in Pet Cemetery Dose. <laughs> Stephen King Connections. No, With no. one deuce. Edward Furlong. <laughs> I would say deuce rather than Part dose. Du. And it was weird to see him smile at the end when they hoist him up on, oh, on everybody's shoulders. He never smiles. I'm like, oh, God, he's nothing. real. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, at that point, the... he's he's private Zim, correct? Yeah. And he's yeah, really yeah, found exactly. he's he's one of the he's one of the lower level guys. He's getting his hands dirty. That's right. what he always wanted. You got right. the feeling, you know, when he when he threw that knife through Ace's hand, you knew he he was going to be in combat somehow, and oh he was going to do some damage. <laughs> yeah, about and that the knife would come up later somehow. Yeah, exactly. About Michael Ironside, uh, I'll always remember him from Scanners. Oh yeah, uh, but he's at the point now. I stumbled upon this Netflix hidden gem called Extraterrestrial. And these teens go out to a cabin to get drunk and have sex for the weekend. They use all these tropes to let you know you're going to be watching a slasher now. Of course. And um, so they're out in the woods. And then all of a sudden it starts to rain. And it's only raining on half of where they are. And then this giant red light shines down on them. And it turns into like a full-on alien invasion film. And it wasn't a fantastic film, but it gets cheesy real fast. They start running through the woods, find this bunker, go inside... And Michael Ironside plays a weed-growing conspiracy theorist um, (laughs) who sells sells weed to the locals. Of course. And and that's kind of his establishing, like, okay, just so you guys know, I'm going to be doing these roles now. Right. Like, I've reached the point where I, like when Rugger did Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know. Like I thought that. Did you see that Hobo with a Shotgun? Yeah, I did. Oh God, I that thought is that was so great. Horrible. But that, that movie doesn't work unless you have somebody who's like seasoned with a sense of humor. Oh yeah. Because if you t- if you took that movie too seriously, you would be highly offended. Oh, geez. seeing as though Rugger Howard eats glass. Well, oh, seeing as how a uh, school bus full of children gets torched. Yeah. 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 Might get it. If, by the way. I don't need to say this probably, but if you really are easily offended by things, stay really far away from Hobo with a Shotgun. Not that you even needed me to say that because the name of the movie is Hobo with a Shotgun, so, you know. One of the characters from my favorite Canadian show, uh, Trailer Park Boys, is in Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh, that's right. If you've ever seen Trailer Park Boys. 
If you like Ricky. Nicholas Sparks movies. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> Speaking of cheese, uh, uh, what kind of cheese? Pan? That new movie. Oh, Pan the new comes one that's out coming out? By Joe yeah. Wright? Yeah. You know Joe yeah, Wright yeah. movies? It looks like it phenomenal. looks good so far. Oh, speaking of trailers, we didn't mention this earlier, but Jimmy and I obviously went to go watch The Visit, and what did they pair with it? Another horror film by the name of Crimson Peak. Yes. Ooh. Crimson Guillermo Peak. del Toro's new uh, uh, period I was... piece, Fright Fest. It's a spooky spectacular of I mean, entertainment. At the very least, uh, I'll go watch it because the trailer was absolutely gorgeous. Like and the perfect. colors. That's how a trailer, popped. a horror trailer specifically, is supposed to be. Krampus. Krampus looked really uh, good. Horror Christmas movie, which yep. is kind of a play on Krampus. Um, you ever heard of Krampus? It's uh, German oh. folklore. It's this uh, a relative of Santa Claus. Like his that shadow. Punishes, uh, the naughty list. Okay. And Adam Scott, who's in Parks and Rec, and he's in uh, mm. Eastbound and Down. He's kind of blowing up a little bit. Right. But he is in it, and it obviously is somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but it looked pretty legit. They never showed his face the whole trailer, which I thought was fantastic. Reminded me of a more claustrophobic Santa's sleigh. That's S-L-A-Y. Oh, Santa's oh. sleigh. Starring Bill Colfer. <laughs> that opening scene had, like, so many famous people. There were so many cameos, and everybody dies within a minute. James Caan gets stabbed in both hands. That movie, I found Didn't he get choked with a turkey leg, too? Yes. Isn't that he how he, like, ultimately dies? Yes, yes, he did. So if you've ever wanted to see James Caan get killed with a turkey leg, here's your chance. Oh, um, and The Green Inferno comes out. Ben, would you like to come with me to see The Green Inferno and leave I'm, disappointed? I'm not a fan of thinly veiled cannibal holocaust remakes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, Eli Roth's, name, Eli Roth's name does okay. not have the... Authority that it did five years ago. Schlockmaster. Sometimes Schlockmaster is good, but with him, like, I have no faith in He's anything that he does. He's just produced too much crap. I mean, I don't know. Cabin Fever was great. The underlying message behind Hostel was interesting, but the following two and three kind of mm. took away from the magnitude of the first one and kind of lost, got lost in translation there. And there is absolutely no one in the movie. At least no one recognizes. Oh, Green Inferno? Yeah, and Green Inferno. Yeah, it's just some kids that get kidnapped and taken into a cannibal tribe, basically. So they'll die in brutal ways, More but it won't be really point. scary at all. Yeah, I'm That's kind of not thinking that I get so either. So it's just more of a slasher than anything else? Not yeah, scare fest. I think Eli Roth just likes to test the limits, and now that people have come to expect a certain je ne sais quoi from him, he has permission to push them even further. Fair um, enough. I don't know. I do want to see The Martian that comes out October 2nd. That I do want to see, too. Except, once again, the trailer pissed me off. Yeah, well, it, the trailer they... kind of gives a lot away, I guess, but it, it's a book. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but my wife read it, and she said it was wonderful and that I should read it. So I'm probably going to read it before I go see it, but, again, it's one of those things where you, you, know, you see the trailer and you're like, oh, uh, this kind of reminds me of about four different films. Yeah. You know? But, again, I'll go see it, you know, eventually. So I also forgot to mention, too, we mention local businesses here sometimes, and this might seem like a little bit of a stretch, but I know we have some listeners in the Champaign-Urbana area, and there's something called the Art Theater Co-op, which, if you're from there or live there, you obviously know about this, but 
It's a uh, local theater that does all sorts of independent films, a lot of foreign films from across the board, and they have late-night shows. And on October 3rd, they're doing Hitchcock's Rope. On the 21st of October, they're doing Back to the Future Part 2, and they're going to have a decked-out DeLorean in front of the theater. (laughs) And then in November, they're doing Godfather and Godfather Part 2. And um, if you're in the area, it's really, really cool. It's at 126 West Church Street, which if you're not from around there, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'd I'd really, really like to go for Back to the Future. They did Blade Runner a couple months ago, and I wasn't able to go. You know that uh, coming up very soon will be the date of Back to the Future 2 when they went to the future. The shoes are there. The hoverboard is there. Nah, the hoverboard is only sort of there. Hendo is what it was yeah, called. Or something like Hendo that. Hendo board. Yeah. yeah. But right. again, it's not quite the, you know, Back to the Future hoverboard, but we're coming up close to that date. Spectre comes out in a month. That'll be good. That should be interesting. Yeah. I, I You know, again, Daniel Craig, I like him as James Bond. I do. And, uh, I mean, he's, you know, probably, hmm, in my scale of James Bonds, he's probably number three. Next to George Lazenby. No. 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 Sean Connery, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig. Yeah. Got to go with that route because as as cheesy as some of the, the 80s or 90s films were with Pierce Brosnan, I'll be honest, he made it look effortless. Yeah. He made it look effortless. I mean, he'd be firing a gun and running and not even looking or whatever, and, you know, it, he just made it look effortless. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, Sean Connery, the classic James Bond, I mean, there's never going to be anybody truly better than he was, and never will, but, but Daniel Craig brings a more human, you know, personality to James Bond. I mean, he's not truly superhuman like he has been in the past, or, you know, completely in, uh, unstoppable. And I think that his character or his portrayal of James Bond is very interesting. But, yeah. again, again. No, I, I agree. It wasn't until Daniel Craig's portrayal of James Bond until I started to give more thought and credit to the idea that James Bond is not a man but a code name. And it starts to make more sense because at the end of Skyfall, at yeah. the very end of Skyfall— yeah. He he goes into his new office, which has the red padded door, right. which we saw in the very first James Bond. Right. But they also reference the Ashton Martin that Sean Connery drove mm-hmm. in Goldfinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Goldeneye. Yeah. So not Absolutely. quite a sequel, not quite a prequel, kind of just like a standalone in a different because uh, Sean Connery hides that car in Goldfinger, and then right. Daniel Craig picks it up. In Skyfall, which is crazy, <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, so but I don't, cool nonetheless. Yeah, so it's it's because you know the different bonds have vastly different personality traits in a lot of ways. Yeah, and so in a lot of ways to kind of think of you know a, a code name instead of a person, it's kind of gives it a different unique. Oh yeah, that's an interesting idea. twist. What's it's a theory, thing? which is why. People are up in arms about Hydra Elbus being a potential 007. Oh, God, Some people are like, no, it can't happen. Some people are saying, yes, it should happen. And I know one of the better arguments that I saw is that, you know, Hydra Elbus is such a great actor that 
he should get his own role within maybe the 007 universe that isn't James Bond, and he'd do well with that. Like, mm-hmm. you give him anything, he's probably going to run with it and do great. Are you do, do you mean Idris Elba? Idris Elba, sorry, I mispronounced his name. Yeah, I was thinking, Idra Elbus. I, I don't know an Idra Elbus. I, I, switched, I switched some uh, consonants and vowels and things. I still know you were talking about. Yeah. You're American, it's your right to mispronounce. Uh, I don't know nothing about nothing, bruh. Idris Belbus. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, Barry no, I, think, I think that'd be good. I'd have no problem with that, except they would have to uh, confirm that it was a code name. And At that point. Obviously, there's some differences. Well, yeah. I don't know if there's differences in color. I personally don't see color, but um, I've been told he's a black man. Who, Idris Elba? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the main uh, point of contention. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's good looking, though. That's fine with me. Well. I know Anna would have no he can he that. can definitely pull off suave too that's and mm-hmm. and that's the thing like it depends on the story too I mean like we've discussed there are different bonds with different characteristics it's like what bond would you want him to be and I say why even make him bond you know expand the franchise yeah I'm down with it for those of you who don't know who uh, Idris Elba is just if you've seen any of the Avengers or Thor films he's Heimdall the guy who opens the Rainbow Gate so. The Just rainbow gate. He there, does cool so. stuff. Yeah, he does cool stuff. stuff. Yeah, he does. So, uh, Breck, back to uh, Starship Troopers here. Yeah. Uh, can I can I throw one more yeah, thing yeah, about yeah. Uh, about yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. killing me, Clancy Brown? Yes. Okay. One of the first really hardcore like prison movies that I ever saw was Bad Boys. Do you remember Bad Boys? With Sean Sean Penn. And uh, it oh you've got to check this one out. It's a youth prison movie where these this kid accidentally kills this other guy's brother and ends up in this uh, boys' prison basically. And Clancy Brown is this you know six and a half foot tall blonde, and his name in it was Viking Lofgren. Okay, and Sean Penn gets put in amongst these these animals and is expected to survive. You have got to check That's this one really out. That's really cool. It is unbelievably good. What it year is did it come dark. Nineteen eighty three. Wow. Is dark. It is. It is grim. It paints a really horrible picture of the the uh, corrections, uh, you know, of, and at any age. But it it's it's kind of a redemption film in a lot of ways. A little bit like you might say, you know, Shawshank is. Mm-hmm. You know, Shawshank Redemption. Blah blah blah. But uh, it, again, it's it's. It's good, and it's one of the few films that I really, truly enjoyed Sean Penn in, too. Yeah. Aside from, you know, Fast Times at Richmond High. I regret the day that Anna told me about his horrible beating of Madonna, because oh, I yeah. can't think of him the same way after Oh, no. That. No, no, no. He did. He he is a brutal person. He is absolutely brutal. But, again, you know, yeah. I never really liked Sean Penn, but I, there are a couple of his movies that I enjoy, and that happens to be one of them. So. Well, that's cool. Bad that's Boys. Cool. Check that one out. That all right, very all right. Good. So back to Starship that's, that's Troopers. That's do movie jam of the night. Indeed. Um, yeah. So we talked about the overacting and well, the poor acting or the dramatically under confused, acting. confused yeah. acting. Can we say that? God. And the over the top propaganda nature that the whole film kind of represents. The whole "let's get out there and kill, kill, kill" attitude, right. and you know, a, a lot of these, I'll call them film character defects kind of play into that attitude. Like, if you're watching uh, a monster movie from the 70s, there's going to be overacting, and that's, like, 
that has to accompany uh, cheese. And so the overacting kind of works accidentally, but that's a slippery slope because if it works in another plane as well. Because as I was watching this again just recently, I mean, I've seen it hundreds of times, I probably want to say, just because if it's one of those films that's on TV, I'll stop it, it on it. It totally is. Yeah, I'll stop on it and watch it just because it's so, you know, engaging in a lot of ways. But one of the things that is that works with that overacting that Jimmy's talking about is very simply this. It's summed up, I think, in the scene where the children are crushing the insects on the pavement and the teacher is standing there and she's maniacally laughing. That's maniacally a, the, perfect, laughing. the perfect adjective. And, and she, she's just out of control and it's just phenomenal yeah. because it's like it's, it's not even – I mean it's taking all of the hatreds, all of the bias, all of the prejudice that somebody might have for something they don't understand and truly creating a madness out of it. And I think that's kind of what this is all about. This is about the overreaction to something we don't understand that we don't have any knowledge of and taking it to the absolute nth degree of madness, of – frenetic absolute fanatic you know uh, a diehard wannabe everything that you can be the most fascist level <laughs> oh my god it goes well beyond that yeah. i mean it's just awful and and when you know rico's parents are like no you you can just be a you know a civilian you don't have to be a citizen or whatever you just just be with us we'll go to zegama beach or wherever it is and we'll sit in the sun and have a great time it's it's the worst sort of warmongering that's happening in this. I mean, it's it's glorifying something. It's giving a, a, a reward to people who go out and kill for no reason other than the fact that they don't understand what they're fighting. I mean, and, and the perfect example of this later on is when uh, uh, Patrick... <laughs> I can't even take him seriously in this movie. Dukes? You talking about Dukes? <laughs> Carl, yes. Carl Jenkins. Neil Patrick Harris... When Carl, uh, when he finally creates his mind melt with the brain bug, and and he's like, they're afraid, they're afraid, you know. I'm I'm thinking to myself, well, this is the perfect, the perfect analogy that these things are just, they're just creatures, they're just beings trying to survive, and yet we're encroaching on their territory. It, it, it's almost like it's a, almost another avatar. It's an, almost another dances with wolves. It's yeah. almost another any number of different things where, you know, the white mentality, and I'll say that because it is basically white mentality, tries to impose itself on a, an indigenous species regardless of whether they want it or not. Yeah, and I think it's okay to look at this movie on that level because, you know, especially if you know the credentials of the director and you know that he's a very intelligent man, you know, some of the bugs, they uh, spew an entire clip of ammunition and they still haven't killed them. Other bugs, they shoot six or seven times and they die. You know, there's these uh, notions almost to evolution and natural selection. And the fact that, you know, these bugs are getting smarter and they're hard as hell to kill, but... You know, we don't really have to worry about these bugs taking on interplanetary travel because the worst they can do is, like, fart bombs into space and to blow up our ships. I mean, they're not but they, Well, they do. killed millions. They do. They killed millions they of people. They do interplanetary travel because they is, travel on the asteroids. 
Yeah. I they killed. Well, they, they did kill millions of people on Earth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, they fire those that. asteroids out into out into space, and they travel on those. I mean, once you set something at, in, unless it runs into it in space, once you set something at a certain velocity, it's going to continue at that velocity regardless. Yeah. And if they found a way to send it at such a velocity that it could actually travel between solar systems, which is what I'm assuming this is. Yeah, I guess I kind of forgot that they would uh, travel on asteroids. Because yeah. I remember after they rescued them, when uh, Carmen and uh, Dickface rescue uh, Rico and the crew, and... Rico wants to like demand that they the, nuke the yeah, planet. They're like, no, yeah. we have plans for it. Right. Those plans must be extraordinary. Absolutely. To uh, be willing to risk millions, basically. Well, 100,000 100, men died or whatever it was in one battle. I yeah. mean, which is, you know, comparable to an entire war here on this planet. So, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's ap- utterly, <laughs> unbelievably dumb. And apparently the hoo spirit overrides any mourning you should have for your parents. Like, that was my probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie, you know. Johnny's taking his walk of shame. He's about to leave. And, hey, where are you guys running? Oh, there's war, blah, blah, blah. He goes back into the office. Hey, I didn't see that. Ripped it up. And he's like, yeah, hoo Woo. It's just yeah. like, dude, your parents just died and entire cities were destroyed, possibly countries. And <laughs> Like, it, it's like... Maybe it might, there may be some intention of making it hilarious, like when the um, when his squadron's doing the training exercise and the guy gets his head blown off and he just has that dumb look on his face when he looks down like. <laughs> when I said it's a slippery slope, you have a movie that's over the top and cheesy, and any time you have a character inconsistency or a plot hole or a plot device that doesn't work, you can just kind of chalk it up to like, oh, it's intentional, it's over the top. And there well, you go. I do think, I do think they were... I mean, a lot of it they were for sure, but, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that these actors were so bad, I don't think that they intentionally sought out, you know, bad acting. And, like, the 90s was a huge TV time. You Truly, know, yeah. Like, between Buffy and Friends and... Uh, what else? Allie McBeal, 90210, a lot of the like big names. Judd Nelson couldn't do it. He was doing Suddenly Susan. I know. Remember that show? I remember, yeah. And so, like most of these actors were uh, like no names. Did you guys? Here's why I think this movie was an intentionally trolling us before trolling was really a phrase. <laughs> um, did you notice what song was playing in the background of the cafeteria fight between Xander and Johnny Rico? Uh. No. no. Fade Into You by Mazzy Star. What? Seriously. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's an ad. But anyway, that's probably something worth inserting is that song because that's like definitely Fade not a song to play yeah. in the background of a fight scene. It's like the scene's over and it's like I hear the sudden I'm like, wait a second. They just played Fade Into You by Mazzy Star. It's like the most tranquil, almost... I won't say it's the most forlorn song, but it is forlorn sounding. It's like really mellow. It's not fight music. No. Yeah, there's, They're there's trolling a lot us. Of, there's, I think, first of all, at two hours and nine minutes, this movie went a little long. Yeah. Really long. Uh, I kind of zoned out during a part of probably hour one through hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, there were some fight scenes that they spent 
probably more money and time and effort than they needed to. The football scene, I thought, was almost entirely Completely unnecessary. Useless. Um, Completely the flip, useless. The flip that he does was pretty fantastic. Ugh. That's like, and that's within the first ten minutes of the movie. So after that football scene, I think you kind of get an air of how this is going to play out. Absolutely. But even so, I, I don't know. And like, when they're on the planet and uh, um, they seek refuge at that base right, where they first obviously find been the overrun. Heads. Yeah. yeah, which, I mean, nothing about that seemed safe or seemed sound. No. And, and the fact that Militarily they, speaking, I would have been like, nope, we're up and out of here. This right. is not Especially this is once they found the uh, brains with yes. holes in them. Or the skulls with holes in them. Not happening. Uh, but once again, it could be like, oh, over the top. It was intentional because within two minutes, it's totally overrun. Oh, yeah. Oh, and what a great scene, though, again. Yeah, it is a great scene. That's a great scene. Unfortunately, that's where my favorite character gets killed. Yeah, poor Michael Ironside. No. Yeah, yeah that's well, when no, he dies. He Who's your favorite character? Dizzy. Dizzy. Yeah, I know. The Diz. They really laid it on thick how much oh. she loved Johnny. Yeah, and she would have been Johnny, better for him like Johnny, from the beginning. I know. I got to have you. <laughs> If you think about Carmen, I mean, outside of looks, she really doesn't have that a whole lot like to offer. That's William Shatner, Dizzy. I know. <laughs> Johnny, I got to have you. <laughs> and he got a 35% on his test score. That is bad. That is and then not Neil Patrick Harris projected it onto the screen. What oh, a yeah. dick. Yeah, Carl, well, you're not a good friend. Seriously. No, that is Neil Patrick Harris. I think he's always just played himself in every role that he's ever know. played. Have you ever seen his Halloween pictures with him and his husband? And oh, his yeah. Kids? I think oh, it's they're great. Amazing. They're wonderful. But yeah, I feel like if, if I was waiting on these big. I mean, Johnny knew he was kind of a dumb dumb, but. If I was waiting on these huge test scores and my best friend projected it on the screen. Yeah. I guess it's a lovable quality, but... Well, again, your best friend at that point is also one of the smartest people on the planet. Yeah. And is a psychic. So what are you yeah, going to do? Is, this is a I good mean, point. he could probably, you know, he doesn't do humans, not yet, but he will soon, yeah. you know? I mean, seriously, he can read and influence animals, but I'm sorry. Again, back to Dizzy. The whole... the. <laughs> The, the whole shower scene. Yes. I was not expecting that. Yes. At all. I, and when she came in, I mean, I already had a little schoolboy crush on her when she was before that because of the red hair and the everything else. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were all over. And she's a, she has an, a good arm. I mean, she can she throw does. a really tight spiral. She can. That's yeah. admirable. That is admirable. Yeah. yeah. You got to admit. Uh, if that was really her. Yeah, <laughs> it had to have been. Yeah, all right. That's sure. I, I that's heard she I took. I, sh- I heard she it. took five years of quarterback training with Is Dan Marino. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, well, I like that scene because there's boobs, but also because I feel like there's some insinuation of gender equality. And see, that's and the all other humans thing. are together. Which... Everybody's in it together. Mm-hmm. Men, women are all in the same bathroom. You don't have any of the issues that you think you might have. They're all just talking. They're all just goofing around. They're all part of the same thing. And that I find absolutely fascinating in our modern day military where they still get their sphincters in a bind over uh, the issues of same-sex marriage and same-sex couples and everything else. 
they don't ask, don't tell has gone away, but you still better not say anything about it because, by golly, they'll get you for it at some point in time. And, and it's interesting, too, because the only person who's embarrassed is a guy who has rich parents because he doesn't have a reason to be there. Like, he right. doesn't have to be there for his education like the others are. Or I to mean, have kids. Or, or to, to have be, kids. Or anything. Yeah, I mean, again. He's there for, as he would say, a girl. Uh, a girl. For a girl. Oh, we haven't even talked about Jake Busey. And what, Ace. A, what a good friend he is. Ace. I love that character. And his his violin playing shenanigans. I know. Yeah. Let's talk about the party scene. <laughs> Where he has like an electric, he has like a green electric violin and green he's hopping around. electric violin. He's here's wandering a, here's, around. Here's, I order you to have fun. Here's some beer. Here's some footballs. Yeah. You have sex with Dizzy over there. Yeah. yeah. You get... Five kegs of beer, two footballs, and a, <laughs> and a, a neon electric, electric violin. violin. I wow. think there was a guitar too, right? Somebody picked up there a guitar. Might have been, yeah. yeah, like some guy who wasn't even uh, a known character, some like extra. an extra, just picked up a guitar. So I guess the uh, they hired some actual ex-military to be consultants on this film, and one of the military uh, retirees specifically would name different extras as head of that platoon. And then those extras would coordinate all of the others. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's not usually done. That's really no, cool. No, um, and for the shower scene, the director, uh, Dizzy, yeah, Dina Meyer, said, "I'll do this naked shower scene if you, Paul, are naked as well." So he stripped down and he, he directed the he scene naked. Amen. But I was watching this little behind the scenes for the film, and he is a actors director for sure all of the cgi you know they need these reaction shots of these actors terrified of these imaginary bugs that obviously aren't there before (laughs) post-production true and so paul verhoven is in there on his hands and knees and screaming and growling and like just giving him something to respond to and um i know wolfgang peterson does that a lot but it's cool it's cool to hear those stories it makes me appreciate those films a little bit more although well uh, hollow man sucked Oh yeah, Hollow such Man was the rapiest movie. movie. Oh, it was such a bad movie. Dirty and rapey. No, I just yeah. I'm yeah. invisible. I can see you naked, you and Jake you don't know I'm here. He's gonna go crazy like yeah. his father. I know. Uh, I would say there? it might be genetic. Uh, apparently, he tours in a band. He's Doesn't I think Paul maybe Verhoeven? no uh, Jake Bacon? Busey. Jake Busey. <laughs> oh, now I'm thinking about the Bacon Brothers. I think he still does acting stuff too. I thought he had maybe some recent stuff on. His he does. IMDb. No, he, he does. did Identity yeah. with John yeah. Cusack. He that did was Identity. A good one. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, he's done. He's done some other stuff. I mean, that's been kind of interesting. I mean, he's got a couple of things coming out this year, and he's had a couple of things that are going to come out next year. So, I mean, he's still working, but nothing, nothing a list at all i mean the last a list i can think that he might have been a part of was like enemy of the state or contact or and that was early Mm -hmm. that was real early enemy of the or or contact he played the creepy guy you know yeah the the guy that uh, blows up the first yeah yeah, that movie is freaking amazing i showed on that movie she had never seen it really yeah and oh i love it so good i found the book at the goodwill well oh contact yeah Yeah. 99 cents not yet, but it's probably in my next five is, books to read. It is very interesting. It is very interesting. Carl Sagan really kind of throws it out there. Yeah, I've read a couple of Sagan's books, and that one and Broke His Brain are... Well, one thing um, I was thinking about randomly because we're talking about books mm. and Jurassic Park started as a book. Did anyone mm. else notice a quick ode to Jurassic Park where they feed the cow to a big bug? 
in Starship Troopers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. And it was like one of those deals where if you turned and just looked the other direction, you'd miss it because it was well, so the fast. the thing is, is that they'll show executions on their television show, but they won't show the cow being dismembered by the bug. <laughs> they put the sensor, you know, thing up over the top, if you'll remember. Yeah. I mean, I found that absolutely amazing. And then, you know, they had the trial for the one guy. See his trial at five. See his execution at eight. You know, I mean, it's boom, 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 you know? I mean, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> and yeah. that that's another cynical look at our society and how we'll watch anything. And then we will. We'll, we'll literally watch anything. And that's evidenced by the fact that, you know, shows like, uh, oh, crap, Desperate Housewives or, you know, My Little Life or, or oh. Crap. Ooh, my Big oh, Fat Fabulous my, Life. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Or, uh there's just hoarders. Oh, uh, it is really interesting. I drive the way a car to they... work. The show. Oh, here I am in my car. I'm driving and filming myself. So uh, drinking some coffee. It's really interesting. There's literally like 20 wives shows. I know. Which I don't think is a shocker to any of us. So the book. Uh, I really want to read the book because I guess the whole idea of the book was the complete opposite as far as satire and like it was very pro military. And this this Starship one isn't. Troopers, I'm assuming. Yeah, Starship yeah, yeah. Troopers. Um, and and the book was the ethos was much more focused on the training and right. the actual development of the soldiers and and the movie was just all kill 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 yeah um, and I don't think the movie was anti military per se um, but the I guess the book was just very pro military and um, yeah but well, it, well, is, it, it is it is interesting when, the, you know. the the effect you have when you like you said you show the interview. Of the guy who's on scene live from the attack, it it shows you, you know, he's Paul Verhoeven is, you know, portraying where our uh, intellect might be in twenty one fifty seven or whatever. I found I I found what year the movie takes place. I think it was twenty one fifty seven, okay. and I don't think he's far off. I like Paul Verhoeven films. They're not all they're not all great, but. Mm. You don't you, you think well, we'll actually be traveling like that in twenty one fifty seven? I don't think so. Yeah, I think so. One thing and worth I mentioning so. too, if IMDB trivia is to be believed, is that Paul Verhoeven didn't get through the book because he found it depressing. <laughs> bored and have. bored director Paul Verhoeven admits to never finishing the novel, claiming he read through the first few chapters and became both bored and depressed. <laughs> yeah. And yet he wanted oh. to make a movie out of it. Maybe okay. he was just so moved by it. I mean, the movie is like like we said. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of satire. There's a lot. There's a lot of substance under the surface. But at its, I mean, at its very skin level, it's a blast of a movie to watch. It's really no, fun. You, it, it, could, it's it could pass as mindless entertainment. It, it is mindless entertainment unless you sit around and think about it even a little tiny bit. Right. And I probably have thought about it too much at some point in time because, you know, you can see shadows and innuendos and anything if you look at it for long enough. But you can also see a Millennium Falcon in Starship Troopers. You cannot. Yeah, it's on the wall somewhere. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. They should have put some that. Tusken Raiders on a few of the bugs, like in the distance. <laughs> oh no, those Jawas are being eaten by giant insects. All oh, the humanity. All they wanted to do was sell a few droids. And that was the other fascinating thing that the only intelligent or the only other life they found were these 
absolutely horrid rating bugs. Oh, know? the ground bugs. Oh, so the biggest, my biggest head shake is when Johnny jumps on top of the ground bug. Oh, the, the I big laughed one. a lot. Oh, and the, the, it is the moving all over him. Yeah. yeah, and he's standing and he never falls never off. Falls I was like, off. dude, no, please, you're you so should've... rolling off. Super that gravity therapist. boots, yeah. guys. Super oh, gravity God. boots. Super gravity <laughs> like boots. The super gravity boots from uh, Super Mario Brothers, or um, or the boots that uh, Seamus gets in uh, Metroid. Oh yes, yes. I guess a miniature Millennium Falcon can be seen on the backside of one of the Starship's bridges. What? Yes. Oh, I'll have to really watch for that next time. And I guess some of the scenes of the explosions and fires after their uh, Buenos Aires uh, location, they were they used actual video footage from the Oakland Hills fire from 91, which wow. is interesting. interesting. I wonder what kind of uh, paperwork goes into using actual historical footage for a fictional film. <laughs> they could, they might be able to just buy it from the network yeah, or that's true. Um, buy have the network Luke license uh, the footage to them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fun to watch. I'd watch it again. I watched the trailers for the for the other two just out of curiosity. There was uh, a second one called Hero of the Federation, and then a third one called The Marauder. And the second one looked like truly Sony Handycam quality. None of the original cast. And then the third one. I thought one, Van Dien was back. No, he's, he came back for the third the one. The third one he came back And the third okay. one, they brought the propaganda idea back and the whole, I'm doing my part. Right. And Casper Van Dien's in it. And it looks like it was theatrical quality. And um, okay. I don't know how that worked. I'm well, not going to watch him, but you can I if you want. I think that the only movie I've ever seen Casper Van Dien is this one, honestly. I don't think I've ever seen I didn't him really else. look at his filmography. Yeah. And there's a reason, because he's probably the most forgettable character other than... And, and even even Denise Richards' character is more memorable only for the fact that she is so horrible on screen. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't know how she made it into a Bond film. How do you guys feel about... Christmas Jones or whatever yeah. it was, Dr. Christmas? Ugh. How do you guys feel about a movie called Rat Apocalypse? <laughs> Because Casper Van Dien's in it. Well, he wasn't. Hasn't been released, but it's been completed. Sleepy Hollow, I think, is probably his Mm. biggest one. He plays Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, He plays King David. He plays Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat TV series. He does have horrible. He did have the right haircut for Johnny Cage, Uh. at least in Starship Troopers. He plays Casper Van Dien in some film called Noobs with a Z. All right, I'm nice. closing. I'm closing yeah. that window. I you can't take really anymore. You really have got to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed the film. I'd watch As it always. again. Yeah. It was mindless. There was there was there was more there was more to it too. It, this... it can make you think. You can watch it and not think. Passable summer entertainment. And you know, for the first first time that I saw it, I I'll, when when the first time I saw it, I thought it was completely ridiculous, and it grew on me consistently because number one, it's science fiction in its purest form. <laughs> it's so not believable. And number two, let's be honest, it's just fun to watch. It, you can love or hate it, but you're still going to have fun watching it. Bugs and explosions, that's all I need to know. Yeah, I do like... And, and bad, bad futuristic football. <laughs> really bad futuristic. Really bad futuristic <laughs> football Arena with bicycle football. helmets. Yeah. And when she crashes at the end with uh, Deuce oh, Face... Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, they go off course, and Johnny's like, she's alive. I just know it. I feel like somebody should have been like, it doesn't matter what you know. We're not doing we're not it, dude. Bring, yeah, we're not doing this. This is against our – yeah, he would have been shot. 
in that society, and they found her right away, right then and there. Oh yeah, that they was randomly amazing. crash land randomly on a planet. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, well, we're not. We, we could have spent exactly. We could have spent the whole podcast going on these. It's just not Absolutely. worth it. No, it's not. Not worth it. Not my favorite Verhoeven film. Total Recall is still number one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Robocop's number two. Robocop is so over the top. <laughs> yeah. And it this was, is that's three. just like almost, didn't that almost have an X rating at one point? Oh, Robocop. Because yeah. Because of the violence. Yeah. The prosthetics in uh, this were pretty legit. And they were Starship good. Troopers. Oh, they, no, were they were good. They could have yeah. made it, they could have made it uh, CGI and it might have been a little more uh, streamlined, but. I loved how Xander gets killed in the end when the, the, the brain bug jams that thorn that into his head. That is crazy. And sucks his whole head out. And I then mean, they show the brain getting sucked through I the know, tube. The, and yeah. chunks of gray matter and everything. Uh, yes. Can we talk awesome. about how vaginal-like that brain bug oh, was? Yeah. I was Very. so yes. disturbed. Yeah. That was just That a, was just ooh. gross. And the, the thing was like the magic button there. Yeah. Just, yeah. Mm, the not magic good. button. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the top for anybody listening at home. Yes. Um, but yeah, that bug was something else. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so uh, yeah. Well, if you want to listen to other podcasts we've done, we've covered everything from To Kill a Mockingbird to The Babadook. Uh, you can find those in to a, the room. To the room, oh. yeah. The Babadook Room coming in 2017. So, oh, yeah. hi, Babadook. <laughs> you can find our blogs, all those podcasts. You can stream them or download them for free at MovieShowTheater.com. And you can leave a message. Let us know what you want us to what you want us to watch, and we'll watch it, and we'll review it just for you. If it's something that we don't want to watch, we'll do it anyway because Maybe. we're here for you, the listener. Stu might not; he might be conveniently sick. But you can leave a comment anywhere on MovieShowTheater.com or on the Movie Show Theater Facebook page. And thank you to everybody who has been loyally listening for like a year and a half. It's been a year and a half. About so next week we are going to be doing The Stuff from 1985, Garrett Morris classic. Yeah. Um, and a Larry Cohen classic, too. I'll call it Chocolate that. Chocolate chip Charlie, that's all it's got to say. Oh, God. Before he did the live-action Garfield movie, he did this stuff. So we're going to compare those two films next week. And until then, I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm smiling for no reason, and I'm Denise Richards. And this has been Movie Show Theater. Theater.